first of all, I'm, I'm so excited to have Nathan Whitehead with me. You're in LA today? That's where, that's where yes. home is? Yeah, but, yes, that's where home is. Yeah, but originally coming from East Tennessee. Which, Correct. Do you still yeah. have family there? I do. My parents still live in East Tennessee and um, I have a lot of family there, aunts and uncles, and uh, I have a 98-year-old grandfather <laughs> in East Tennessee. Any, uh, any other players in, in the family, musicians? Not really, you know. Uh, my mom played a little bit of guitar when she was young. I, the, the story I have is she you know, left home with a tiny suitcase and a guitar in hand. Um, but um, we weren't a family of musicians, really. Okay. You know, I think my sister took piano lessons and some little flourishes here and there that didn't necessarily progress uh, but we listened to a lot of music mm -hmm. and uh, and there was you know so there's always music playing I think that I think that was a factor for sure so wh where did you get your background in music then did, did you pick it up in school college uh, kind of a mix of both um, I, I didn't do any music I mean I wasn't in band or anything like that in high okay. school <laughs> yeah. it started with uh, the piano in our living room and being a curious kid and um i was pretty fascinated by music uh i mean kind of as far back as i can remember but i think eight around when i was eight or nine was when i was really kind of noodling around the piano and um so yeah i just started by uh picking out little tunes by ear and 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 pushing that and, ex and exploring that and that was a lot of fun and uh and then playing my mom's guitar which was a 12 string <laughs> at least the one she had when i was that age um which is not the easiest to yeah a little harder to fret sure. um so yeah i just started experimenting with um those two things guitar took off a little bit more um and uh, it was a very organic, self-taught process from there until college. Um, Where'd you end up going? I went to um, I went to Middle Tennessee State mm -hmm. in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Oh, cool. uh, yeah, um, lived in Nashville at the time. It's uh, thirty miles or something from Nashville. Mm -hmm. um, I think proximity to <laughs> Music City kind of. Uh, well, it definitely helped the the recording studios and things at at, at Middle Tennessee State um, had great studios, and that was cool. And um, so, yeah, I went to school there, and it was actually uh, a music production program um, uh, with some composition classes here and there. Was that initial few years enough to pull you in to say this is what I want to commit my life to, or is it kind of one step forward, two steps back? Um, there was a moment, it was, it was right at the beginning of college, actually. So, uh, backing up to the guitar playing, um, I, I formed a band, my brother played drums, you know, uh, buddy on bass. Um, we played mostly punk music, but, um, I loved that. I think that was my first, uh, I, I think writing songs, trying to write music, um, became a lot more focused at that point because I would, I would constantly be, 
you know, playing guitar and writing songs after school, spending a lot of time by myself doing that, and then really looking forward to band practice. Eventually, we recorded, um, we recorded six songs in a local East Tennessee studio, mm-hmm. which at the time used uh, ADATs. I don't know if anybody knows what that is anymore. <laughs> Wonderful um, headroom. Exactly. <laughs> and, th- and these were the these were the first 16-bit models, too. So, oh, okay. you know, uh, basically digital audio on VHS tapes. Not that, well, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, all kinds of vintage tech here. Um, but that experience um, mm-hmm. I loved, and, and, I, and I started uh, accumulating recording equipment. I actually had been recording uh, my songs with my sister's uh, dual well cassette karaoke machine <laughs> because you could because okay. I could re- I could record a guitar part on a cassette, p- put that in in cassette deck two, and then you know record another guitar part and my first part overdubbed into a second cassette and just kind of swap cassettes and multitrack infinitely. Yeah, um, but all of that made me uh, really excited and. Uh, combined with uh, sort of this identity crisis I always had with my band. We played basically punk music. Um, and I was, I'd, you know, I'd want to write songs, you know, I love the cure and I'd want to write like that. And I, or I'd want to write, you know, <laughs> smashing pumpkins <laughs> sort of songs or, um, or I'd want to write instrumental music. And, um, all of that kind of combined, and made me realize I love being in the studio and writing music and I'm interested in all these different styles and, and I love movies and, and, and games and, and have really special moments, you know, in my life with, with all of those things. And if I become a composer, that ticks all of those boxes, you know, <laughs> I was never, I was never, I feel uh, a natural born front man for a band. Um, and that was a, that that was kind of a light bulb moment. Um, it's like, I can stay in the studio. I can write all these different types of music and I can work on movies. This is amazing. And so that from there, you know, on, I was set on this path. I think, um, I had some, uh, detours a little bit along the way or just, you know, it, just the path of kind of trying to, to put together a career. Uh, I worked for a sound design company, which was in one way a distraction or, you know, for, for music. Uh, I was I was still, you know, moonlighting in music. But on the other hand, it was it was close to film. And I was, you know, I learned a lot about post-production. And I learned a lot about just film in general. Um but yeah, uh, that I had that experience and um, was pretty much set on becoming a composer at that point. Yeah. Did you have early mentors even at that stage? I mean, I had some. I had some really amazing mentors. They, you know, there were a couple of leaps. So, moving from Tennessee to Los Angeles, that was a leap uh, because I, I didn't. I didn't have a job. Okay. Um, and, um, so you, you I, obviously recognize that being in Tennessee was not going to be a, a, a good, a good decision. Yeah. I think, I think that's changing a little bit. And I think, uh, which, which is very cool in my opinion. And, 
Um, I also think everyone has their own path, but for me, you know, I sized it up as sort of, well, there were a couple of things. It was a numbers, a numbers thing a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm going to surround myself where I, I, I thought there were more opportunities. (laughs) And I, I think certainly when I, when I made the move, that was accurate. Um, probably still is in a lot of ways. Um, and and it was exciting to me. And I remember when I moved from small town East Tennessee to Nashville, that was very exciting. And I would, you know, so I was living in Nashville, going to college um, in Murfreesboro, and I would drive around a lot of times, especially when I first moved there, uh, Music Row in, in Nashville, it, you know, a lot of records and and songwriters, not exactly the 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 direction I was headed, but I was so excited uh, just to be, you know, I was uh, com- compared to being in uh, the small town I grew up in, being in this city that had so much music. And then LA, that excitement was part of it as well. So I wanted to go to LA from Tennessee to, um, because I thought, I felt like there were opportunities. And also I, to me, you could just feel the electricity of movies being made um even with all of la's you know grit and kind of crustiness i loved it okay um yeah and so what was what were some of those early projects that you were uh digging into were were you working still were you a freelance composer or did you end up somewhere i worked at uh, a production sound rental house i worked at coffee sound okay um so uh renting boom mics and walkie talkies to sets uh that was the that was the paying job and then i was interning at a company called dane tracks oh Um, yeah sure yeah and that was a really cool that that was a really fortunate thing um and then i got hired at dane tracks and and quit the job at coffee um and uh and i was moonlighting i mean writing music for whatever i could during this phase uh but uh, Dane Trex was cool because um, I was working on movies as either at first I think it was an operations person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like coffee person, you know. Yeah. Um, not even at a music studio, at a sound design, sound effects studio. But uh, Dane Davis is—it's his company, and he's um, an amazing sound designer you know won an oscar for the first matrix all of that stuff um but he's a musician and he was actually an early champion of uh my music uh interests um so you know at that point i was in la i was uh at least keeping rent paid uh working at dane tracks uh still scoring mostly short films or whatever i could i could find um, and then occasionally on a couple movies at Dane tracks that I was a sound assistant on the composer, you know, there were little bits of source music. I remember one of them was a cell phone ring. One of them was sort of a, a brassy fanfare for a game show that was happening off screen. There were little things like that would pop up that the composer wouldn't necessarily want to do. And I would pounce on those. I remember for the cell phone ring, I wrote. Uh, that was back, I don't know, I think 
musical ringtones were kind of fancy and exciting and (laughs) new then. Um, And I wrote, you know, 20 different ringtones. The director wanted them to be uh, a reggaeton vibe because that fit with the the villain in this movie. Um, So there were some opportunities like that. And then um, I think Dane Davis was just a... uh, I'm kind of all over the place here with mentors and, and early LA, but, but Dane was, he was like, he was a great storyteller. And he, even though he wasn't, he wasn't writing music at his, in his capacity at Dane tracks, he really, uh, just emphasized story over and over again and everything he was doing. And I think that was, that was a really powerful lesson for me that every sound you're putting in a movie has an effect on the story. And yeah, there might be an amazing tune that people remember. Mm -hmm. That's perhaps on a different level than the sound of someone's footsteps. But I remember Dane being uh, very focused on all of those things, both the really flashy sound design that he did for movies and also the Foley feet Mm. um, because it all is part of telling the story and that was cool and then and then when it when it came time to leave Dane tracks he was he was very supportive uh you know I I that I had to eventually I felt like I had to leave this job I you know stop this moonlighting with the full-time job thing Mm -hmm. and I have to make space in my life for full-time music if that's going to happen. So I quit Dane Tracks again with mm-hmm. no job. What time? Uh, what, what year was that around? That was 2007. Yeah, because I was looking at your credits because it looked like after, at that point, obviously, like there were a few years of doing shorts and some TV series stuff, but it eventually led you to, you know, getting a big film. Yeah, yeah. So 2007, uh... I left Dane Tracks, and then a month or two later, I uh, I answered a Craigslist ad. <laughs> okay. Um, I knew I knew that like from what was in the ad, I had a very strong feeling. It, it didn't say who the composer was for, just just a busy working composer. And I thought it was Remote Control Productions um, because they used Cubase and. Uh, just the way it was worded, I thought this is remote control production, and I was right. Um, and so then I went and worked for uh, Jim Dooley for uh, a little over a year, and that was my first. That was my first time being uh, an assistant to a composer. Okay. Um, yeah. So obviously that was going to be you know the beginning of you fully committing because you have a, a place to call home. You have. Uh, uh, you mean you're in, in an environment that represents the type of work that you want to do. It was just a matter mm-hmm. of, you know, how long is it going to take for me to get my, yeah. my, my first project? So it seemed that, I mean, you working there, you know, you had opportunities to work with uh, Jablonski on, on a handful of projects. and Yeah, J- uh, Steve was, uh, that was a great, uh, that was a great season. Uh, I think, uh I felt like we clicked well, and Steve was a really powerful composer mentor for me. Probably the most uh, influential composer mentor I had. Um, 
and um, that's how I met uh, the producers, some of the producers for the first purge, but, you know, before then, well, backing up a little bit, you know, it was exciting. You know, when I, when I got to this place working for Jim, then I was full time. I was in the world yeah. all the time. It was in, you know, various nooks and crannies in the assistant world and kind of, uh, w- navigating that. But, but that felt good. It was, it was tough and at times, you know, um, but, but that was, that was great. And, uh, worked for Jim and then that, you know, led to meeting a lot of people at remote control. And that's the cool thing about remote control being this campus of composers. You can really meet a lot of composers. And I was in this phase of doing really anything composers needed. I would do arranging, I would do synth programming, MIDI, MIDI programming. I would fix their, you know, work on their samplers on a Sunday, mm-hmm. um, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever was going on. And then by the time I, I, I got, I heard Steve was, uh, looking for someone I had, uh, about two and a half years of time under my belt in the remote control community, either for Jim or for just people, helping people out, Matt Margison and others. Um, and then, um, yeah, Steve, uh, I, I started, uh, writing a few minutes on desperate housewives pretty quickly. And, um, he was another really working on desperate housewives. That was, that was a, a great experience as far, as far as that, that was sort of a film school experience. Another one, you know, Dane talked about storytelling a lot. Yeah. Um, and then, Steve and I, our conversations, I was learning the show. I was learning what it was like to have to deliver every week. Um, and then we recorded a, a little string section every week for that. So there was a lot to just to get used to. And I remember it seemed like every episode I was in my studio uh, two or three in the morning on Saturday Sunday morning, um, thinking, how am I going to get this done? We're going to record Monday morning. Um, and, and all during that time, you know, I'm this, I'm, I'm just starting. Steve is reviewing my work and, uh, you know, we just talked about story. Uh, he never said, um, dude, you should put a, put a D minor chord there. I, I appreciated that we just talked about kind of dramatically, what seemed like the scene needed. And then I had to come up with the musical solution. That is the job. Um, and, uh, I, so it was very educational and then, and it was also good for connections and eventually leading to the purge and all that. Yeah. I mean, that it's, it's a good setup when we, when we do talk about days gone, because uh, obviously, you know, there's a style and, and your own personal influence that, people can hear and they, they can imagine how it might be applied to their project, which I think was obviously the case, how like you kind of the backstory of how days gone came about with, you know, someone hearing your track from the purge and using probably thinking, Oh, this is perfect for my, this is, this is the right idea, but obviously not a, a complete shoe in. So how would you describe that looking back on, you know, the handful of projects that you've worked on? How would someone say like, Oh, Nathan Whitehead is not, not not to paint you into a corner, but like, how, yeah. how, how would you describe your, that sound? Yeah, it's a great question. And this is where 
I get to struggle with putting words <laughs> That's all right. on the sound. But I like I like the question because to me the purge scores they you know they are they are special to me uh, and I think I think a big part of crafting the sound that I'm going to try to describe here is uh, the na- you know the nature of those movies and sort of James 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 DeMonico, the director on the on the, the three that I did, um, his you know his taste, his aesthetic, and sort of allergy toward at the time anything that was really overtly horror or really overtly action music, and that th- all those terms can mean a million different things. But I sort of got what he meant when he said it, so I felt like, um, and there is some similarities here with Days Gone. I. Th- think uh you know it's 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 textural music that is at least my hope of a couple of major things at 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 the same time maybe this dread this danger uh or tension Mm -hmm. along with some sort of human element maybe every movie is trying to do that um and and like i say that's my hope i'm not i don't like to say this is what people feel from my music no of course but it's a it's a thought process that i really enjoyed and i think um i it's 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 a lot of fun it's fascinating it's a it's an interesting challenge having uh a post-apocalyptic world um yeah i mean you're you're, you're very tuned into um the emotion of the textures and the tonality of your instruments and, and, and obviously how the arrangements happen. So, I mean, that, that to me is, is, I mean, that's horror music is just like taking a, a moment and stretching it out for as long as possible to keep, to keep the tension. Right. 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 Yeah. right. It, it even goes back to my time. I, you know, I thought of this a lot when I was working on the purge movies, my time with Dane and thinking about the emotional content of sounds. And there is, you know, what's on the page on the staff is obviously, uh, that's crucial. There's a lot that's hard to, it's hard to get on the page, you know? Um, and any, any orchestra brings in my, you know, yeah, technically maybe it's on the page, but it's, it's always surprising. I think it's, it's, it's amazing what you can leave off of the page and just put it in front of the band and have them play it. And, uh, and they bring so much more to it. And I think that, sort of that same concept applies in these really textural worlds. So it's sort of finding emotion in surprising places. And, and I love the contrast, uh, in the purge movies, setting this, this foundation of it's pretty dark, it's pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like a little ray of light pokes through that that dark cloud, and um, it that was really fun. I think um, I think there's a cool opportunity in that sort of textural world to almost surprise people a little bit more um, because on it's it's this it is this moment we're trying to build tension for essentially the whole movie and then little by little you start detecting a chord change in there and then hopefully all of a sudden people are feeling something and and um 
it, it was, I love trying to tease those moments out and trying to figure them out. So it's not, uh, heavy handed. Um, and, and, uh, it was, it was fun on the purges because, well, it, to me, it felt fresh because I was making so many sounds and trying to really pay attention to what James was saying and, and, uh, not, even though, yes, it's a genre of movie, not cling too heavily to uh, specific genres of music. We can't, I mean, I'm talking about the textures here, you yeah. know, and I think some of the drones, James would say, who is not a musician, I love this, he said, you know, that feels a little futuristic and it feels a little uh, tense. I loved that he could listen to a drone and, and think it felt a little futuristic. So that was a really all over the place answer. Um, but <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to articulate because you're trying to summarize something that you're ultimately hearing in your head and feeling. So, right. And, and, right. and, and, and that's always my question. My thought is process of like how people internalize They take an inspiration. Someone shows you a treatment or shows you some visual artwork and then says, go for it. You know, here's a story, yeah. here's a character. How do you then come up with, you know, the arcs and the movement and the feel you're reacting to something, but ultimately you're kind of feeling your way through it. So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a feeling. And that's what I want to ask next is for you, what are the instruments that you surround yourself with when, when you are establishing kind of the early steps in a project? What are the ones that you admittedly like go to first? It's, it's generally different. Uh, for projects, um, it always feels good to pick up a guitar because uh, that's one of my that that's really my main instrument. Um, uh, even though I work like most composers at the piano a lot or the keyboard, a lot of times, a lot of times it's piano. I I think that can be helpful for kind of sorting out some basics if I'm searching for a melody. With the Purge movies, generally when I brought a when I when I you know I put a melody in the score, a, a really obvious one, mm -hmm. it it didn't work, and James was and, you know that wasn't right. So for that, it was a lot of it was kind of this combination of sound creation and 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 looking for sounds and then working at the keyboard, trying to see how those sounds make me feel in a more musical context. I mean, the first track of the first purge, I don't know what other people think about it, but what, but for me, which one is the that? drone? Um, it's, is it, uh, like your number it's one. It's your number one. Yeah. So that drone that comes in, yeah. um, it's to, to me, I, I, I love that. And I, that the texture, there's a, there's a couple of notes. It's, it's basically a minor chord, but, yeah. um, it's it's kind of fuzzy um but that but i mean that ultimately was like oh my gosh i've hit upon something that is like the right exactly yeah. exactly that was yeah. that was one sound an example of many where i felt like okay this is part of the world of the purge mm -hmm. and it would and for that project it wouldn't have made sense uh i think to even start noodling around on the piano this project i'm doing now it's shaping up it might i don't know we'll we'll, we'll know in a couple months mm -hmm. but right now it's looking like it's going in the 
fairly strings and piano direction and um uh it's sort of taking my best guess at the outset and then redirecting if i have to um you know maybe i'm starting on piano and then realizing I, i'm going to try something on guitar once something if if, if, if the instrument isn't making me feel like cringe when i think of, when i hear this sound and think of the project then usually i can keep exploring on that um there's no recipe it's it's no, all course, yeah. feel basically mm. and and then kind of removing options that don't seem to be working zeroing in on things that seem to feel good so for you to to get this opportunity to work on a game title like we, before we start recording you know you're not the biggest gamer yes obviously you've you've been involved with games but it's not like a yeah a daily thing for you what what can yeah. you say about just even taking on a, a video game because now that you've worked on a widespread tv and film knowing the the cycle the production cycle the process you're gonna embark on what what is it about getting involved with the video game that excited you at this point in um in your career i was really excited by the early creative conversations i had with my producers at Sony, Pete Scaturo, Pete Scaturo and Keith Leary, the main the main guys I was in contact with regularly, yeah. and then and then John Garvin, the creative director from Sony Ben Studio, um, I was excited. Uh, and as you mentioned this earlier, mm -hmm. uh, John had heard one of my tracks from The Purge, um, so I think that, uh, and he liked that, and that was that was part of the creative brief. The, the music brief for this game. So I think that we were resonating a little bit. And it's, and it's not just because, oh, they, they use my music. It's, it's because aesthetically, there was some sort of mutual ground. I think uh, that, you know, he, because he was kind of into that track that I wrote. Um, and then these early conversations, uh, we did talk about there may be, you know, a touch of Americana. I would probably get to to include a lot of guitars or include some guitars and orchestra. But then there's this whole freaker side. And then John, you know, really talked a lot about the story mm -hmm. and talked about, you know, Deacon, our our main character, mm -hmm. talked about, you know, his past and uh, and he was and John really wanted to explore finding meaning in this in this world in addition to just bludgeoning the freakers <laughs> with a baseball bat yeah and that was all very exciting uh it kind of ticked a lot of the boxes it's um and i, I think it's something special about genre projects and if you have to if you have to say that term uh overall is a, a lot of cool opportunities to explore just hum human issues, hopes and mm -hmm. dreams and depression and, and, and any sort of struggle. I don't know. I think a lot of times you get more freedom to do it in, in interesting ways it, compared to maybe a kind of a non-genre or mainstream sort of thing. So this idea of the glimpse of the sound world I was getting, like, okay, I might get to use guitars and orchestra and still my textural thing. That sounds super fun. Then John's emphasis on the story and uh, making you know connecting to the the emotional side of Deacon <laughs> uh, the bird and uh, it's pretty blunt. I mean, he's a pretty strong. Uh, yeah, he's trying to survive. 
Exactly, exactly. <laughs> he's he's a biker. Yeah. He's a bounty hunter. He's he's like kicking ass trying to survive in this crazy, <laughs> you know, situation. Uh, freaker infection. Um, and then I got to write a lot of, I think, you know, pretty emotional music. I was even surprised. And I remember doing some sessions, some of our recording sessions, and people saying, really, this is this is for this video game? <laughs> um, some of the sort of prettier, prettier music. But that combo uh, really made me want to come on board. And, and I had just always wanted to uh, score a video game. Yeah. Um, even back in Tennessee, when the light bulb was going off, one of the things that I thought of, I could write music for a video game. Uh, right. You know, I, I there's tons of video game scores that I loved, and strangely, I remember this old old game Turok Dinosaur Hunter. Oh my god! Um, I do know uh, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, that I think my brother was playing it around that time, uh. and um, and I was getting and I got really excited about someday writing music for a video game. So. Uh, yeah, I think it had been a long time coming, and then it was just extra special that I thought the project was really cool, and the sound that they were going for seemed really fun. So what did you find in the sense of like spotting a film? Did you give them specific ideas, or was it like, here's a bunch of ideas, and implementation came inadvertently out of that? It took a lot of conversations with the Sony music team, as far as the interactive gameplay music, yep. and trying to set up those moments appropriately, <laughs> you know. So we would talk about what was needed and, and all this kind of came after the score was, basically we knew what the score was. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the, the the different pillars of the score. Uh, the main theme and the freaker theme were the, two, the first two tracks that I wrote. And then uh, once, basically I, the identity the identity of the score was figured out. Then we really were working on these both both the cinematics, uh, but then also the interactive stuff. And so I wouldn't just write music and throw it their way, and they would they would put it wherever. And I, I think there was some of that mm -hmm. as they were editing and implementing the music I wrote to cover you know thirty plus hours of gameplay. Yeah, it's incredible how much gameplay there can be. Yeah. 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 But we would talk about specific things. This group of people, like we talked about the Rippers and kind of the gameplay that would go on around that. There would be stealth, and then there there would also be full-on gun battles mm -hmm. potentially. Or you don't know what's going to happen. There may be a horde will run through. That happens. The game is pretty un unpredictable. So for the you know for the the Rippers specifically, I wrote a couple of tracks in and would write. Uh, the pieces in layers, I think three layers, and and then the game engine can turn those layers on and off right. according to you know what's going on in the game. Um, and I think it's just we we had a lot of back and forth on that because having the layers turn off and on is sort of basic in a way, but trying to write, trying to get the music to feel as musical as it can, and to have this. Uh, these all these little story arcs that are essentially being improvised by the player on the fly. That so I would write these you know layered layered pieces, and they would get in the game, and then everyone would play the game and mm -hmm. kind of see how they were working. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, say, oh, this one's working well, this one's not working as well, and would kind of refine. And then, so, so, so hopefully, and I, I think from what I've experienced, I, I'm, I'm, I'm liking the implementation. Uh, it feels like it's scored. It, it feels like it's creating those moments. It feels like it's hopefully dragging the tension out. It, it's, it's making this sense of dread that won't go away, <laughs> and then something explodes, or then, or then, it, or yep. then it, there's relief. But a lot of back and forth, a lot of experimentation, and uh, and and the Sony team, I, I was amazed at this their implementation, and also just they're all so musical. It was wonderful. I mean, most of them certainly. Pete and Keith are uh, composers. You know, I they, they they speak the language, you know, sure. and uh, and that was apparent across the board, uh, maintaining musicality uh, as we get this music into the game was a priority. Um, I can imagine that. I mean, the fundamentals are very much the same when it comes to a movie or video game. Of you're trying to tell a story, you're trying to build some tension, you're trying to invoke some sense of plot, like all these all these things are going on. The player, especially you know when I'm playing, when, when I was playing, I was just like, I don't want to be here. I can't like just like in a movie theater, <laughs> like just like you are in a movie theater. I'm in a dark movie theater. I can't leave. I'm gonna experience something that's really uncomfortable and ultimately i feel like that's that's the wonderful kind of marriage of music and sound and the visuals coming together i mean how many how many years were you on this one now i started in january of 2016 okay i wrote the score in a little over two years and then wrote some music for some of the ads and then it took a, quite a bit of time to condense the the score down into you know what was going to be on the soundtrack <laughs> right. so it was yeah. really involved with it for you know, three years. Yeah, and just knowing that, okay, like we said before, these things do take a fair amount of time. So th in a three-year period, what, what can you say keeps it maybe a little easier or like just reminding yourself, you know, what the intent is of the game developers and initially when you probably had those conversations early on of like, this is what I want to do for the f for the project, this is the type of mm -hmm. sound. How do you describe that over a three-year period? Is, is it just kind of you, you define a world and then you stay within that or...? It definitely evolved, you know, over time a little bit. Even I think the game itself is evolving, and the developers are changing the way things operate, yeah. and and so the whole thing I think is is an organism that's changing. I I, I sort of feel like I have the same answer for everything, but it, <laughs> it's you know every, we all come back to me, uh, John Garvin, um, the music producers come back to. Does this feel right? Does this uh, feel like the story we're trying to tell? And maybe there are times when you know the team has to look at each other and say, "Hey, guys, do we all are we all trying to tell the same story here?" <laughs> sure. Um, that didn't happen so much, and and it's iterative, you know. And uh, we, you know, music is being tried in the game, and we're constantly assessing: uh, Do we need more music? You know, you know, twice the game. We, we kind of at the beginning said we probably need to write this much score and then it turned out oh well, let's we actually need some more score and then a few months later guess what we actually need some more score um so yeah it was it was growing it was evolving i i think certainly for john and in all of our conversations it was always uh talking about the story talking about the characters uh different ones that we meet along the way and is is the music uh feeling right is it supporting that is it helping 
Is it helping players connect to to the world? And that that sort of drives everything. And I guess you know, at, at the beginning of any project, I I don't have I don't have a clear picture of what it's going to be. This game just came out on uh, last Friday. People have already played through the whole thing. When I looked online, I was yep. just like, oh my yep. god, like just like head down, like straight through. Oh yeah. What, what's your takeaway from now looking back on this project? What, what can you say just about? getting through through it and looking back what, what was your takeaway i mean it just reinforces why i love my job oh, yeah. it was it was a gift of a project it was wonderful i it, it was it was a great team of people that's a critical part of any project it was it was a compelling story to me it was also great that sony they they place a lot of value in music and so we do really what's necessary to to produce music that that, that feels right that's amazing that's an amazing spot to be in for a composer so we ended up recording a string orchestra that seemed correct for this game and uh but if i if the score had gone in another direction and i needed to i don't know i needed to go to china and record <laughs> a virtuoso player in china or something i have zero doubt that that's what we would do and that was a great environment to be in it's just like we're on we are here to facilitate the music process i'm here to write the score and and they provide support to make that happen so that that was amazing to me it's like the effort that and the love and the and the and the work that was put into this project is felt i feel like the intent is is very clear of what they set out to do and i think i don't know i think they checked a lot of a lot of the boxes when i first my first reaction when it was when it was shared with me i was like well this these are the types of games i really enjoy and yeah. i only like i said i won't watch the purge but i will play the equivalent <laughs> you know in a video game style where i mean totally yeah i i get i get that i'm very proud of it and uh, it, I guess I go through this process on every project of working really hard and then the project comes out, comes out and, and you get to see what the world thinks of it. <laughs> and um, it was a little more potent on, on Days Gone because I think I spent so much time on it. Uh, but right now it, it, it feels really good, yeah. uh, especially just seeing everyone sharing all of their photo mode pictures oh, sure. and yeah. <laughs> and having a good time with the game and um and people seem to be responding to the music um it's a difficult thing to separate yourself from sure. i think um i you know i'm i'm proud of the work uh on you know i'm proud of the score i'm proud of the game that that Bend Sony Bend made, you know, I met these people and I, you know, I went and visited their studio and and got a glimpse of of that incredible machine um, to, to to put all this together, and so it it's it feels really good to be a part of that. It's been intense and it's you know every time I see people doing crazy stuff in the game and 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 having a good time and and commenting on the story uh that feels great you know that's awesome i i think people should definitely for the gamers check out days gone but obviously like your, your score and of itself i saw that it's on spotify it's all it's 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 out on all the usual places it is which is really cool to 
to have your work, you know, be expressed that way because in the game it's great, but also by itself, just listening to it is, is a whole nother experience. So, I mean, people should check that out. Um, I think obviously, you know, a good place for people to connect with you is you have your website, NathanWhitehead.com, right? That's correct. Where, where else yep. are you on the usual places? Um, yeah, Twitter at Nathan Whitehead, Instagram at Nathan Whitehead. Those are the best. On Facebook, for whatever reason, I I tend to be more active on Twitter and Instagram. So cool. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for spending a little time to chat about this about this game and obviously a little bit more about your other work leading up to up to the release of this. Um, super excited Absolutely. just to see where things le- take you next. But obviously, it's just, it's exciting to see your work reimagined in this days gone world so yeah thank you so much cool well thanks michael it was great uh great talking to you and um hope we can do it again sometime awesome thank you so much you can hear more conversations with sound designers composers and directors on the soundworks collection podcast on itunes and streaming online at soundworkscollection.com if you have a story you'd love to share with us, please send us an email at info at soundworkscollection.com. Talk to you soon.